What's up, everyone? Happy Thursday, August 26th, 2021. Uh, we don't have a ton to talk about today uh, in the stock market. I think there's some, a few big things to talk about uh, because the big news, I think, is more around politics, and we try to stay away from that as if they don't affect us in the, here in the stock market. But <clears throat> we wanted to talk about a little bit the NFT craze and just my thoughts. I'd like to just chat with you guys and gals about about NFTs because they seem to be all the all the rage on Twitter. And uh, Peloton just announced earnings, and they also slashed the price of their Peloton original Peloton bike. Let's start out with the market. Just kind of go over what today's been like. Uh, the S and P and Nasdaq are down about negative 0.6% on both exchanges, both indices. Um, you know, but kind of all still near record highs. Um, U U.S. GDP revised up 0.1 points. Um, let's see. U.S. 10-year yields have been holding broadly steady ahead of Jackson Hole. And everybody's kind of uh, awaiting what the Fed is going to say. As we all, It seems like we always are awaiting what the Fed is going to say. Um Let's see. Hawkish Fed comments came out. Uh, Kaplan said that the Fed should announce taper plans in September. Bullard said Delta will peak at some point. Fed should get going on taper and finish in Q1. That seems to be... It seems to be too late if Delta is going to spike even further. I saw a video out there on the internet, but maybe you, you all uh, who have uh, followed it closer can tell me if this is true, but the, someone was saying that there is uh, Delta's R not value is like really high. It's like five plus. And some people are expecting it to kind of really run rampant. But if you just kind of look at COVID cases, um, maybe zoom out. Florida is pretty bad, but let's zoom out to all the United States. And, you know, we seem to be leveling off at a, a level that is lower than the previous peak, but still, kind of the second highest we've had in the states. And deaths are ticking up. Deaths are ticking up. So I think, who knows? I'm not really sure what to think about this, but there is a possibility that Delta does throw us back in, and I don't think that they can taper if we're kind of going back into lockdowns. I'm not sure if we're going to... My, my take is that I don't think that we would have uh, lockdowns like we ever had or like we had originally, but my take is probably mask mandates come back in a lot of states. It becomes super political, like, like everything does these days. And, but maybe, I mean, I would also say that, that we probably do booster shots, right? That are approved, that are getting approved, which might pop you right back from 60% effectiveness to 90% effectiveness. So I, I don't know, but I don't, I don't really foresee us going back into the everyone stays quarantined at home, like in their homes like we did March, April, May, June of last year. Um, cool. Let's see. Uh, the Bank of Korea hiked rates by 25 basis points today, making them the first, I believe I saw that they are the first uh, developed country to raise interest rates in this environment. Um, and all eyes are on, yeah, Jackson Hole today. And 
Yeah, and so sessions will begin on Friday, so tomorrow, with the most focus on Jerome Powell's speech at 10 a.m. New York time. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk about what the Fed has to say on Monday in Morning Sense. If, you, if you're not subscribed to Morning Sense, definitely sign up for that. It's uh, now uh, our mostly free daily email newsletter, analyzing stocks and business news. You can sign up at a couplecents.com. Link in the description. And yeah, so let's talk about uh, kind of this is a bit of an open session. I'm a bit tired this week. Been, you know, I just got off the conference call with Peloton. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Peloton and go over their earnings today in the public stream. And then I wanted to dig into what I thought about the stock, uh, our target price and what I'm doing or what I plan on doing in the private Roic only stream that we do right after this. Um, but let's start out with NFTs. NFTs are all the rage. Um, for those of you that don't know what NFTs are, just Google it. They're basically, it's basically digital art on the blockchain so that because it's on the blockchain, you, you control ownership of one of one or one of a hundred versions of a JPEG or a, a VR, a VR kind of scenario or scene or maybe a video. Or if you're buying, um, if you're buying, oops, I don't know what that is. Yeah, if you're buying uh, NBA Top Shot, I guess like a moment, right? It's like kind of a GIF. And the thing that's really been sending everybody into a tizzy is that somebody just paid $1.3 million for, for this picture, or for a picture of a rock. 400 ether, ether or, or about 1.3 million on Monday. And the latest brand, you know, brand of crypto collectibles that have been around since 2017, making it one of the oldest non-fungible tokens on the block. And Justin Sun of Tron fame, he, he, he made so hundreds of millions of dollars on Tron. And I don't really know what Tron's doing. Let's see what Tron's up to. The 27th largest cryptocurrency. Good for him. I can't believe he's still like a popular figure because I know people were really mad at him at, at one point. But he bought this rock for half a million dollars. And let me just explain to you the concept of why certain things are going for so much money and why you see these crypto rock, these, these um, ether rocks or the crypto kitties or um, like you just kind of look at oldest NFTs. The oldest NFTs are going for the most money because, oh man, all these cookie stuff. Because I'm trying to show you in real time. The oldest NFTs are going for a lot of money because people think that NFTs represent internet internet art art that represents a cultural heritage on the internet and they think that just like the mona lisa is worth hundreds of millions of dollars probably that one probably more than a billion and you know some picasso is worth millions of dollars all these pieces of art right there are there's tons of art out there 
And there's tons of pictures and copies of the Mona Lisa. But when you own the Mona Lisa, there's a, a scarcity, a rarity value of that Mona Lisa. And so to me, I really haven't talked about NFTs too much because it's not very investable to most of us, right? The, for most of us, if I buy an NFT, you can't buy it because I just bought it, right? And so the, what you're seeing is these hyper-rich people, especially the hyper-rich crypto people, so the newly hyper-rich crypto people, they're buying, they, they have enough money in crypto to buy the oldest ones. So you see Crypto Kitties, Ether Rock, uh, Crypto Punks is one of them. And they buy them because if we fast forward 20, 40, 30, 40 years, which ones will have the most value? It's the ones that are like original, the ones that mean something and mark the, the beginning of art on the internet. Now, my, my take right now today is that NFTs are like regular art on steroids. They're not a very investable asset class for 99% of, of investors. Because when you start getting into like NBA Top Shot or you get into like, you know, some random artist makes like a hundred versions of something, it, you can't control the supply. There, because it's the internet, people will just continue pumping out, pumping out, pumping out internet art. And the only ones that I can kind of understand why they're going to have massive amounts of value are the ones that you can say have cultural importance that will grow over time. There will be kind of haves and have nots, right? It's the ones that have the original cultural value and everything else is going to be just, just going to get continued to be, uh, diluted with more and more crypto. Because if you're if you're uh, Beeple, you're just gonna keep I mean, like he's gonna keep making them until people stop buying them, right? I mean, maybe not. Maybe they're artists, but um, but that's that's I, I, that's my opinion. So I I don't it's it's hard to talk about NFTs as a collective because to me I don't I think that crypt the, the value of CryptoPunks will go up. And CryptoKitties and EtherRock will go up. That makes sense to me. But it doesn't make sense to me that like the hundredth version of some random NFT will be a really good investment. Um, furthermore, I think there's a, a harder, harder like mental thing with, look, even if you have, uh, like art has been around for thousands of years, literally and the ability to hang up like the original see the paint strokes and like have the history like 2000 years ago or 1000 years ago or whatever it is 500 to 1000 years ago uh someone was using this thing 
in painting on this piece of piece of canvas. Like we just I just bought we we found some like very uh we bought like a 1700s painting and got it restored or whatever. It's pretty cool. Like I don't particularly like the painting, but it was kind of a a cheap find at a random uh a random kind of uh, antique store. And it's just cool to think, like, see the, like, the actual strokes, right? Versus NFTs don't really have that because it's, j it's really, it's legitimately like a JPEG or, or PNG or something, right? So people are saying, oh, but you can put it up on your wall because there's going to be, like, physical manifestations of NFTs, which makes sense to me. I think it'd be really cool. I, I think NFTs will be a thing, but I just think that the, the supply-demand dynamic of it is really hard. And so in terms of being an investable asset class, like I think FinTwit is all about like, if you don't buy an NFT today, you're going to regret it like, like early Bitcoin and Ethereum. No, 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 no. Because there's no network effects that you benefit from buying some one of a thousand 50th run of some random NFT. So unless unless collectively you can you can kind of buy fractional shares of certain very very relevant expensive nfts i don't really think i don't think it's that investable but i would love to i'd love to hear your opinions and if uh jmk is saying nfts will go in cycles uh Or Solana Ape NFTs, yeah, like NFTs have more a lot more value than that in the future. Could use as sporting events for tickets, eliminating scams. Yeah, so but I don't think sporting events for tickets are NFTs. Like, and you just think about what the analogy what you just said, right? Nobody like I know there's collectibles like uh, the game. People frame up like a ticket. But I mean, right now, like Eventbrite works. So what's what's the actual value add to the, um, selling, uh, making tickets an NFT versus just giving people like an Eventbrite ticket? Um, people are all in, in Eventbrite, right? Um, Matthew saying, I really think VV has got the right mentality with NFTs, elite licenses like Marvel, DC, the NFL, limited mints, and affordable for masses. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm not trying to be like a, a Luddite here. Like, right, you're talking to, about to someone who, who bought their first Bitcoin at 300. But I like to think about supply and demand dynamics. And I don't know where supply and demand will shake out in the future. I think there's a lot of money to be made. But I don't think that any of us can say that this channel can invest in NFTs collectively, right? And when I say go buy X stock, like we all can buy it and we all can profit from what that, what that team is doing and creating value in the world. Um, the reason why art itself has a ton of value is because the uber rich, I mean like this is a big part, it's not the only part, but the uber rich use art as a, uh, like a philosophical hedge, right? 
it's it's a diversification of their wealth portfolio that pegs them to cultural value versus the rest. So if the monetary system goes kaput, I'll still have this Picasso. And no matter what happens, if we get thrown back into the Stone Age, this Picasso will always have relative value versus all the plebeians out there. I will be the one with a Picasso and they will not have a Picasso. So in relative terms from the other 99.999%, I have the Picasso, they don't. Think about it like that. So that's why there's massive value in art um, versus, you know, I think the, the Bitcoin gold, Bitcoin like usage, uh, building the framework, the protocol of money on the internet thing is a, is a, a much more like we're getting a little bit far afield in terms of like the fundamentals of it. So if I were super rich, if I were like a billionaire, would I spend, you know, like, I don't know, half a million dollars on an NFT? Maybe. But would I, but it, as a, let's say, let's just say I'm a 10 millionaire. Would I spend half a million, 5% of my net worth on a NFT? No, I probably wouldn't. Um, but maybe, maybe if I was super bullish and I made my 10 million in crypto and I wanted to transfer that crypto to crypto, right? Maybe. That's why I think a lot of the crypto millionaires, crypto billionaires are doing that. Um, but, and, but all I'm saying is for the rest of us, let's say you're just a 1 millionaire and you're like, okay, so I want to, I want to allocate like 2% or 4% of my net worth to uh, an NFT. My question to you, though, is the NFTs during this craze, this pop, the NFTs that are going for 20 grand seem to be more dime a dozen, right? I understand it if you can get a crypto kitty for like, for like 20 grand, but you can, I don't think you can get the, the crypto punks or the crypto kitties or the ether rocks for that price. They're now going for $1.3 million for a picture of a rock. Um, I, I like it. I like it. But what I'm saying is there's such a, like a, it's the value proposition will be concentrated in the top 0.1% of NFTs and everything else is going to be like, it's, it's going to be like, you know, in VC, we, we talk about the power rule, right? If you know, like the Peter Thiel power rule, right? You just prepared that like nine, nine of your investments go to zero and one will go like 50x and that'll make up for the rest of the losses. It's going to be that on steroids, right? And the ones that are going to have the immense amounts of value are going to get concentrated in the ones that have collective, um, collective mind share. Uh, I did a TikTok today about OnlyFans and how they're going to reverse their decision. And we talked about it on with Tom Nash on our new on the new podcast channel, Unpopular Opinions. Go check it out if if you're interested in like Tom Nash too. Um, it's interesting, right? There are like a few creators, famous creators, that didn't OnlyFans and made millions just in one day. And there are tens of thousands of OnlyFans creators that can't that that are scraping by, maybe making like. 20k a year like or maybe like a thousand a month right think about the wealth disparity of of that just in terms of value value on internet 
feel like a Russ Hanneman in Silicon Valley here, value on internet. And so when something's new, we try to say like, oh, try to take past this prologue, try to apply it. I know it's not the same, but the internet seems to exacerbate wealth gaps or value gaps, right? You think about why do we have trillion dollar companies nowadays? It's because the internet is now winner take all. The network effects are so much stronger than in the physical world. And in a similar way, fame, fame effects are so much stronger on the internet than the physical world, right? Like the value is coagulated much more heavily in a smaller percentage of things on the internet than they are in the physical world. So yeah, maybe we're going a little bit too deep on the philosophical level, but to me, I think you should probably, when thinking about NFTs, like think about it like that. So maybe collectively we all, we all pool our money and get a crypto rock and that might be a good investment in my opinion. A good speculative, super speculative, super speculative investment, right? But you buying like a random NBA top shot doesn't seem like a good one to me. Uh, one more like until we give away 20 bucks. One more like. So I'm going to give away 20 bucks to every uh, 100 likes. Okay, we just hit a 100 likes. And so all you got to do is click uh, the pinned comment link and put in your email. And, um, and I just you just have to keep keep that up. So there's 42 of you in the room. And I'm going to press new raffle. And the winner should have a pop-up. And you just have to put your information down and you'll win 20 bucks. And we usually PayPal you in the next week. We were a little late this last week, but ask any anybody or any Relic member. We always pay everybody out. It's more just a time capacity thing on my end. All right. So what I did say, I wanted to just pass along to obviously our viewers. I, I said yesterday with Tom Nash is... If I'm going deeper than Ethereum, I've always liked Binance Coin. People that have been on this channel or on the original channel since last year, I said I liked Binance Coin last summer. That seemed to be a really good pick. I personally bought some Binance Coin, not a lot, just some Binance Coin. And I really liked uh, Flow, which is Dapper Labs, which I really liked Flow because they were working with UFC and they were working with NBA Top Shot is built on on Dapper Labs' flow. And so I think long-term, if they can sign up a lot of really popular brands that control the supply, flow, the usage of the flow blockchain should do really well. I like flow. And then the third one I'm going to say is I like Solana. Cardano seems, I'm going to repeat myself. So if you guys tuned in yesterday for, for the podcast with Tom Nash, um, then just kind of tune out. But just to recap, to me, Cardano has a lot of popularity and is now the third most popular crypto. But it has surpassed Binance Coin, which I don't really consider Binance Coin or crypto. Like, I think it's it's a utility token for, for an exchange. So I think of Binance Coin as sort of a, um, as buying into the equity of, of Binance, which is the number one largest exchange in the world. It first over, um, you can just see it, hold on, exchanges, Binance, and then Coinbase, right? Look at the volume on Binance over Coinbase. It's much bigger than Coinbase. So that to me is like, okay, so you're buying into Binance at an $81 billion valuation. 
and Coinbase is trading for, and they have a burn protocol, so they burn their Binance periodically, BNB, uh, versus Coinbase is trading for a $52 billion valuation. Although I think Coinbase has a lot of cool other upside stuff with institutions. So I, I really like Coinbase as well. Uh, but from what I, I mean, I remember talking to some people and it didn't hit me until now. I remember talking to some people at the Bitcoin conference and they were saying, we work with developers and companies to build, build new, their, their dApps. And they said, Ethereum is, is where everybody's built their stuff, right? That's the biggest one and everybody's wait, waiting for proof of stake. But if people want to build now and they want to build for scale, they're building on Solana. And I, and I, did, I, I haven't looked into Algorand since I said that Algorand is, 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 is interesting. So I'll have to kind of go into Algorand at some point. But to me, like... Risk reward, right? If you're saying I want to bet on blockchain, uh, smart contract platforms, and I want to go, I want super high upside, downside, and I want to bet on internet 3.0, you want to go where the devs are going. And right, like Ethereum is the king in, in internet 3.0. Cardano is, to me, doesn't seem like people are building on Cardano. Like in real life, like when you ask on the ground, which ones are you building on? Solana is, is trading at a fourth of the valuation of Cardano and has a lot of momentum of developers actually building on them. So we're looking into that on our... See, Carlos is saying ADA ever sold, but when you buy and hold these things for 10 years, you're betting on actual application usage on those platforms. And I'm just like, I'm just telling you what I'm hearing in real time. Seems like more developers are going to Solana and some of the other ones than Cardano. But Cardano is always the fan favorite. It's always been the fan favorite. Um, <laughs> JMK said he bought Solana or he or she bought Solana at $2 because the logo looked cool. Better to be lucky than smart. Well... $2, now $76. Good job. I will, I will agree with you. Better to be lucky. Um, yeah, so Carlos, I understand that. So Carlos is saying we are waiting for proof of stake. ADA has proof of stake. Yeah, but the Ethereum developers are waiting for proof of stake. Like, I think there's, there's a difference between what's better and what's going to win. The best protocols don't win always um like you can go back in history right didn't the cassette win over a better a better way to like a better way like betamax or something someone someone older than me can can chime in on that cd-roms were not the best way to store things but they won proliferation i mean a lot of things on the internet didn't win right um winning and best product or first to market doesn't always win, right? MySpace isn't, doesn't exist anymore, really. Right? So in, in terms of proof of stake for Ethereum, right? Like if you've built a lot of your infrastructure on Ethereum and most of the value is on Ether, 
and they're saying proof of stake's getting worked uh, rolled out in Q2 of next year. Like, it seems like a lot of devs are are uh, are waiting or going to some of the faster protocols like Solana. Um, yeah, and I agree. Eldorado saying, "Isn't it good to hedge your bets?" Yeah, I think it's good to hedge your bets. I'm not look look. I, I am a mega cap guy. In in size, I only own these two. Can I switch up to the? In size, I only own these two, right? I own some of this, but I own, I only own these two, right? Because I have to believe a lot less. This it's like a roulette table, right? Um, this is like betting. This to me, I think this is whatever, right? But Ethereum is probably betting on like black or red. And betting on one of the other ones is like betting on an actual number, right? You have to just believe a lot more. It has to be red. Plus, you have to get the number right. Um, yeah, VHS versus Betamax. Um, so, yeah, I agree. So, if you want to buy a basket of of these protocols, I think that's fine. And that's why there, I think there's a... Uh, there's a, a publicly traded vehicle by Grayscale. Um, trusts. That buys a, a basket. I'm trying to find it. They got a lot. DeFi fund. Large cap fund. So for some of you, this might be a really good vehicle. You just buy into the Grayscale Digital Large Cap Fund, and it's a composite benchmark based on the weighted average of the digital efforts, a asset reference rates. Um, and they try to hold, you know, the, the, major, the major cryptos. Bitcoin, Cardano, Litecoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, Chainlink. I guess there's only six. There are other, there are other kind of... Uh, vehicles where that that hold like the top 10 top 20 all that stuff so you guys can look into that um all righty roberto i am not i'm not uh, using a thinkpad no i'm not okay so we've already been going for 30 minutes and we should switch to peloton and then we're going to go over uh peloton's earnings and then we're going to end this public live and then go to go to the private live afterwards uh, definitely hit that like button if you want to help the channel. Really appreciate it. Also, I'm giving away another 20 bucks if we can get another, was it 60 likes? We're at 140 now. If we can hit another 60 likes, then uh, I'll give away another 20. But the, the winner of the first one is Bobby. Bobby won the first $20. Congrats, Bobby. Uh, so we talked about NFTs. Bubble, not bubble. Yeah, I just... Okay, so Peloton had relatively rough earnings. Those of you, you can rewind if you don't believe me. You can go back to a few lives ago, or I've been talking about it for the past couple of weeks, is I expected week a weak print from Peloton. And yeah, and they had a weak print. Um, let's see, 26, let's see if I can pull up the presentation. Q2 
Q4 ended uh, ending connected fi- fitness subscriptions grew 114% to 2.33 million. So this is the chart of connected fitness subscriptions. They're still growing, but quarterly total revenue in Q4 um, was actually down quarter over quarter, but it's it's still up quite a bit, 50 something percent year over year. Just remember that Q3 and Q, Q2 and Q3 for fitness products are the better years, but there's some noisiness to this data because of COVID. Um, furthermore, they've, you know, they've actually, so part of the, uh, tune in for the con- conference call. Uh, one thing they said is they haven't been marketing very much because they have to deal with a lot of the treadmill recalls and stuff like that. Workouts are down a little bit. I think, right, we're in prime time of people going back, enjoying the outside. It's the summer. And, uh, yeah, so I think the thing that worried the street the most is that they guided to a pretty weak next quarter. So $8 million of total revenue. So that's another quarter-over-quarter quarter decline in revenue. Um, and negative adjusted EBITDA. And lower gross profit margins. So the lower gross profit margins are, one, because increased, I guess, logistics costs. Two, there's increased input costs because of the supply chains and you know, the price of steel, et cetera. Um, and three, right, they're, uh, they're not selling the treads and the tread pluses, which would have a higher ticket item. Uh, and they've, they've lowered, they've been kind of collectively lowering the price on the tread, or sorry, on the original, on the, the bikes. They, so they lowered the price a couple quarters ago. And the big news is, let's, let's just type in Peloton's probably the first one. Uh, where's the Wall Street Journal one? They uh, reduced the price on the original bike to less than fifteen hundred, down from nineteen hundred. So they're guiding to three point six three million ending connected fitness subscriptions and five point four billion in total revenue. But one thing that they said is we're gonna we're taking gross margins down over the long term. But by reducing the price, we're gonna reach a much bigger audience and the total addressable market is gonna grow. So we're focused on like we will they think they'll benefit in the end because increased demand uh, will increase their gross profit dollars, like dollar amounts. And they said they did a ton of research on the price elasticity of their bikes and they're super confident in the, this move, right? This is a big surprise to the street. I think a big surprise is they're guiding to negative adjusted EBITDA next year. And they're, they seem to be okay with it. They're focused on growing gross profit dollars. Their number one goal, and it seems like they're, for better or for worse, they're putting blinders on for it, is to grow subscriptions because we talked about this. This is a, they think about it as a, you, you sell the razor and the razor blade at, at cost and you get their subscription or sorry, 
you sell the razor like handle at cost and you get them hooked on the razor blade subscription. So that's, that's the model here, but it's software, obviously. And they, they still have insane, lo insanely low churn, really, really sticky product. It, I mean, their, their net promoter scores are amongst the best in the, in the, in the world. Uh, one big, one big surprise out of this print to me was they're not focusing on expanding internationally. They really like their core markets. U.S., U.K., some Canada, Germany, and then I know they, they launched in Australia. Yeah, so they're very focused on subscriptions. And so kind of doing the back of the envelope math in terms of the valuation, I'm going to save the valuation for the next stream. Guys, 48 more likes and another winner. Um, definitely like the video. We've got 260 people on here. And I wrote down a ton of notes. Yeah, I would say, honestly, the, the, um, their, their like PR was actually not super helpful because year-over-year year numbers that they report aren't, like, it shows a lot of growth. But quarter over quarter, people are really concerned about this, right? So they're, they're basically guiding from 940 million to 800. So, and throughout the call, you heard, we don't know what's happening with Delta. We don't know what's happening. Like this past year has been very coronavirus uh, affected. So we're going to start lapping those things. But they do believe that they're going to grow over those numbers. But there's a lot of uncertainty there. It does seem, and I think some analysts were asking the questions because it doesn't make a ton of sense with their guide. It does seem like they're being super conservative with their tread rollouts. And they said that they have a ton of really strong leads for tread and they're really bullish on tread. But when you back into their, their guide for the next quarter, the guide for the next quarter basically has very little of tread sales embedded in there. And I think that they're lowballing tread sales here. But kind of the headline things to take away before we flip to the Roke only stream is they this, they're disappointing on EBITDA because they're reinvesting in capacity. They're going to, they're basically. They're basically taking, they're going to spend, they're going to go on a huge marketing push. That's, that was what I took away from the call, which will take their EBITDA down because they've said, we've been focusing on logistics. We've been focusing on the recalls, which are largely behind them. And hopefully that, that boosts growth again. So if I were to guess sitting here right now, digesting this report plus listening to the call. I think they're being on the conservative side on the guide. But nonetheless, the guide looks really poopy. And margins are going down. And all we have from them is, well, it's going to improve revenue growth, right? If, if margins are going to go, if margins are going to stay low, that's going to be really good for revenue growth. But if it's good for revenue growth, then why isn't revenue growing further? I think they're being really conservative. 
I have a lot of mixed feelings about about this this print. My biggest concern as a relatively value investor is that they're planning on being deeply negative EBITDA for a while at least, right? Although they did say that they think that they're going to flip to profitability in Q3, fiscal year, fiscal Q3, Q4 of fiscal year 2022, and they believe they'll be profitable in fiscal year 2023. But that's a full two years of profitability that when I was was modeling out in my DCF are pushed out. So it's, it's, this is a very complicated print. They're pretty, they didn't speak too much about their uh, corporate wellness program, but the analysts seem to be really bullish about it. Um, no talk about a rowing machine. They said, we can't talk about new products. And the stock, quite honestly, I was expecting the, st well, the stock tanked even further below a hundred immediately on the news because it, but it, it rallied or recovered uh, to 107 bucks a share. So all in all, down 6%, I would have expected something more harsh than that. I mean, again, we really backed up the truck in the 80s. So, like, I'm not too too concerned if, you know, what whatever we have to do. But um, just remember that. We never really bought up here. We, I mean, we haven't bought we haven't bought Peloton since down here. So it's a very very interesting print. Ryan's asking, do you think Gabe Plotkin is a worse investor than my ninety year old grandma? <laughs> I think those those guys and gals who play the long short game plus leverage run a very dangerous game, where it's fly high or implode. Uh, okay, so one thing that they said was they said the demand, so it's like people are really concerned about slashing prices, meaning that they, they're being undercut and they don't have demand anymore. They said the demand for bike and bike plus is robust in itself, and the price cut is absolutely offensive. And also another little, little tidbit from the, the earnings call. They have the, they're built, they've now have built the capacity to build 2 million fitness units this year. And so they believe the price cut is to go on the offensive. And this may be good for the long term because you think about it like Roku. They, I think they think about it like a Roku stick. They, they, they want to sell these things to you at a net, they said slightly positive LTV over CAC on the hardware and then once you are using the hardware selling you the subscription service which has been the thesis the, the whole way through which is why we bought at 50 55 bucks a share because people were were valuing peloton as just a hardware manufacturer and if they were just a hardware manufacturer then i agree beach body uh um nordic track or any of these other bikes should eat their lunch but 
you think about you if you go just go to the Reddit the subreddit Peloton cycle slash r slash Peloton cycle like people that are introverts would never really love their Pelotons. People are doing that and right. One of the biggest pe- like, one of the biggest demands for tread actually comes from people that already own the bike. People make this a a holistic thing, and I know in our household we're using like Peloton as a yoga and strength training stuff too. So you think this is this is kind of the, an important chart. It's cycling, strength, floor, meditation, yoga, running, outdoor. So right, non-cycling content workouts are growing as a percentage of the pie. So, and they're building this huge connected fitness facility in Ohio. People are, they are trying to make themselves the Netflix for, for, for exercise. And their thought is we're going to try to sell the razor handle as cheaply as possible. Even if they don't need to, that's what they say. That's what they say. All right. Well, uh, so we're hitting 45 minutes and, uh, yeah, Viv is saying, I do believe the price will be good longer term, larger Tam. I agree that they said they directly said that on the call. They said, uh, it, it substantially increases their Tam. And so, Oh, another thing they said too was that tread, they believe that tread has a really good chance of becoming their single biggest product and that the total addressable market or the serviceable addressable market is much bigger for tread than it is bike. There are a lot more runners and stuff like that. So we're going to go, we're going to cut it off. I guess we only had one winner today. Um, and we're going to go to the private stream. Thank you for being here. Uh, and then Roak members, we'll see you in like five minutes. Uh, sorry, I couldn't get to voicemails. We'll get to, there's like six voicemails. Maybe we'll get to them in the Roak stream. So come join us. If you're not a Roak member, please support the content. Uh, go to whatcouplesense.com. Join join us. We have a lot, um, a lot of really cool, ambitious stuff for the community planned. Just takes a while uh, to get that all ramped, but uh, definitely join us. I'm really excited. So let's we'll, we'll see you, Roak members, in like five-ish minutes. Uh, I need to grab some water. And uh, happy investing. Have a good weekend.